0: This is the Health Witch Podcast, where we will explore one tarot card of the day, a beauty recipe, a herb of the day, how we use it, how we enjoy it, and how we appreciate its magic, and which in practice, how it relates to health, and ending with a historical note to honor witches, healers, and women of past Welcome back to the Health Witch Podcast. This episode is going to go different. First of all, we are having the first interview and I'm really excited, but there are a couple introductory notes that I do want to mention that Chris and I had mentioned really a couple notes about lucid dreaming. And I had mentioned that many herbs are overrated in the process of lucid dreaming. And what I meant by that was you do not need herbs in order to engage in lucid dreaming. While Do herbs do encourage they're not the only mechanism in which to partake in lucid dreaming. You know, when you think about all different techniques, there are, you know, techniques for testing your reality. There's wake back to bed. There's a process of keeping a dream journal and really wake-initiated lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming in the function of itself, is not just really getting your mind to overcome nightmares and bad dreams, and, but it also plays a role in really quelling that kind of built-up anxiety you might have. And maybe astral projection, all those other really great liberating experiences, I think, and really creative and just overall very expanding kind of situations and experiences and practices. So that's something I will have to say for another episode because there's so much to get into with lucid dreaming and but I do want to make it clear to the listener that when I said that herbs are overrated, you do not need herbs to engage in lucid dreaming. I am so excited to introduce Kristen. Kristen is the first guest on this podcast, and Kristen is the founder and holistic nutritionist of the Good Witch Kitchen. So she is a weight inclusive, holistic nutritionist, but she's also a speaker, a writer, uh, and a co host of the podcast. It's just a phase. She is certified from the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and Functional Nutrition Certification Program that really helps women manage their health naturally through their diets. So her specialty is really working with clients who have a strained relationship with food and really want to quit dieting once and for all. So helping them overcome disordered thought patterns, emotional eating, and body image issues through strategies that really strengthen their mindsets, their intuition, and self-trust. Kristen is based out of Boston and also teaches cooking classes, nutritional workshops, and online classes. She has also been featured on CNN, Boston Magazine, Prevention, Healthline, and so much more. So I am very excited to have Kristen here today. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for meeting up at the Health Witch Podcast.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: So you are actually the first guest, so I'm really excited to have you. I've been following all your work, and I think just your outreach and everything you've been doing has been really fantastic. So it's a complete honor to have you, to say the least.
1: Thank you. That's so exciting. I didn't realize I was the first.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, will, I have already given listeners your complete bio, which has been great, very accomplished. Um, but I want to take a couple seconds for you to introduce yourself too, if there's anything else you want to add.
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm Kristen Ciccolini. I'm uh, the founder of Goodwitch Kitchen. I uh, offer private nutrition coaching, that's my main thing, but also do some online coursework as well. Um, that's that's the gist of my work, but yeah, I usually focus on working with people who have um, some health issues related to chronic dieting and helping them overcome emotional eating and just sort of healing their relationship with food and their body as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I would like to start off, if you consider yourself a witch, and if you do, what does that look like and what does that mean to you?
1: I do, yes. Um, so. To me being a witch means being connected to the earth being connected to myself through the power of the earth Um, also means being an advocate for those in need so um, as you've probably seen through my instagram and i talk about these things a lot um you know calling yourself a witch is a powerful thing and i i believe it brings with it a lot of responsibility um you know which is before they were prosecuted, were known as healers in the community. So that is partially where the name of my business comes from. Um, you know, they use herbs and natural remedies to help others um, and empowered them to use those remedies on their own as well. And for me, that's that looks like my job. You know, as a nutritionist, I help people manage their health naturally through their diet. I'm also training to be an herbalist um, through the Commonwealth Center for Holistic herbalism in Boston um, so that I can help clients on a deeper level. Um, I find it very empowering um, to work with the gifts of nature in this Mm -hmm. way. Um, And I say work with because, you know, we take advantage. We're not really caring about the life cycle or the environment uh, that the plants that we're using are in, you know. Um, You know, we're caring where our food comes from or how it's grown or the people growing it. So I say working with because I think words are important.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. And I, I also say, you know, witches are advocates for the powerless. And yes, that's a big responsibility if you're going to take on an identity that has historically been pros- or persecuted and use that as a means of taking back that role. Um, especially, you know, as a cis white woman with privilege, it's my responsibility to use that role, um, to give voice or share voices of the less fortunate, um, You know, speaking up for black lives, trans lives, being in the wellness industry, very important for me, uh, for people of color and LGBTQ community to feel welcome and safe and to advocate for their rights and their well-being. So rambled a little bit, but that's what that looks like for me.
0: (laughs) Sure. I think that's very well said. And moving on, you know, when we talk about medicine and health, it's really how do we incorporate it within our everyday life? And I think a lot of people are always questioning, what does your daily routine look like? How do you structure your day and the time you have? Because really, we all have the same amount of time each day, right? So what do you do? How do you structure self-care? What does your daily routine look like?
1: Um. So I... I mean, I work from home, so my typical day is kind of boring. <laughs> um, you know, between client calls and day-to-day business stuff. But in terms of you know incorporating magic and self-care throughout the day, um, self self-care is something I tend to need to schedule in because I'm one. I'm a little bit type A, and then also um, I'm a generator. So if you're into human design, um, which means I'm just happy to keep work, work, working until someone physically like takes my hand from the computer. (laughs) It's like, you need to stop. Um, and you know, I'm also extremely Virgo. So I live by my Google calendar. I'll schedule in workouts. Um, I'll schedule in times for me to like read for pleasure. Um, if I'm noticing, I'm not doing that as much as I want to. Um, so there's certain things I'll schedule in. I also have just like my daily routine. So my skincare at night, um, that routine I love. I take extra time to give myself a little massage and use oils that feel really good. Um, in the mornings I make breakfast and tea and have a little routine before I get started on the day. And they're very simple, but I think those can be a little bit magical too, because you're taking the time to be present in the moment there. Mm -hmm. And, um, for the morning routine, sometimes I'm thinking about my intentions for the day, how I want the day to be, how I want to focus my energy for the day. Um, but in terms of like witchcraft focused stuff, like spells and rituals, um, I tend to do those by the moon um, because I'm often really distracted with work and stuff. And um, honestly, I'll schedule those into. <laughs> but uh, you know, if not by the moon, then when needed. So when I'm feeling blocked, when I want to call something specific in, yeah. um, I also like to use herbs really intentionally uh, for a specific purpose. Maybe that's like making a tea for a purpose. Or um, I taught a class a couple of months ago called Potions with Purpose, and it was all about making herbal elixirs for different intentions, um, physical intentions, or energetic. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what like how I work things into my day. I also think that words are magic. So, I mean, I'm a writer by nature, also by trade, before I change my career into nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think how we speak to ourselves, about ourselves, is really transformational. Um, you know, our intentions, how we describe our needs, our desires, so that's a way I incorporate magic into, or self-care magic, whatever, into my daily life that might not seem magical in the face
0: of it you know well i think that's a big part of it it's magic comes through in the routine you know Mm -hmm. finding a comfort level and way to just make sure that we're even keeled we're calm we're centered we're manifesting what we want to manifest throughout the day but making a clear plan on having that work out and have that happen now you talked about i would love for you to talk about a little bit more about your herbs and potions which ones in particular do you work with
1: um i work with i work i try to work with a lot of stuff that's easily accessible um, especially if i'm sharing that information with clients or you know people on instagram not everyone can access everything super easily Um, so i like to work with things that you can find in your in your kitchen in the spice aisle (laughs) um also more um things that you can find out in the wild that aren't going to be hurt if you get it. So right now I'm really into experimenting with mugwort. Mm-hmm. So there is a ton of it in front of my apartment and it grows so rapidly in the summer. You can, I mean, people want to cut that down cause it's so invasive. So I like to, yeah. I like to work with herbs that are, are considered invasive. So one, I don't feel so bad <laughs> taking some, um, you know, and I, I just also like to, uh, use the power of those types of herbs. So, um, when the ones in front of my apartment, when it gets too long, my landlord, or too tall, my landlord cuts it all down, which is a huge bummer. So I try to get it before he does that. So, um, you know, I've used that for smoke cleansing instead of white sage. I've dried it for tea. I've also made a tincture out of it. So um, what I'm experimenting with now is uh, with dream work. So I had an Akashic Records reading a couple weeks ago, and the reader told me that My partner and I do a lot of dream talking, like we make plans and agreements um, and have a lot of conversations in our dreams together, which I thought was fascinating. So I'm hoping uh, the more I work with Mugwort, uh, it's said to enhance your dreams and help you with lucid dreaming and Mm -hmm. astral projection. So I, you know, who knows if that's actually true, I'm hoping to actually you know, witness some of those conversations we're, we're said to be having. So it's definitely something I have to suspend my skeptic beliefs for, but, you know, there's mm-hmm. no harm in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um And a lot of different, you know, before we move on as well, you know, using all these plants for really engaging the mental mind and dreams, I think you know, when I think about herbs and dream work, I think they're definitely overrated, you know, and people write it off as that, like, that's not really going to do anything. But even if it just calms you down at the end of the night, it does something. And I'm, 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 I'm still, you know, I've done experimenting with many different herbs and Especially ones that really just help and clean your blood at the end of the night. You know, ones that just help and just fortify your body. It, they just, they feel great, you know? So the very least of people don't believe that using these herbs to help them relax and clean out their blood and get them just where they need to be is a good good thing to be. So a good place to be.
1: Yeah, it can't hurt. And I mean, well, right. some herbs you would definitely want to be careful with. And, but you know, some things, even if it's just the placebo effect of it, mm. That's still powerful, you know, if it's still, if it makes you feel good, and it's improving things for you, that's still a powerful thing. So I don't think we should write things off. If just, you know, if you think that it might not work, or you think it might work, whatever, as long as it's not harming anyone, I think it's fine to experiment, you
0: -hmm. know,
1: put your belief in that kind of thing.
0: Sure. So when it comes to nutrition and beauty, I think a lot of people write off beauty too because I think it's frivolous, right? But I think beauty in itself is living in the moment. So what are some words of advice to help women and men, You know, people of all gender, however you really choose to identify yourself, what are some things that people can really help them get in a really confident state of mind? But also when you think about nutrition and beauty, what are some big things that come to mind for you?
1: Um, so, I usually think first of just like skin and your skin glow because I feel like that really helps people feel really confident and happy. So, um, just in terms of nutrition, obviously hydration is really important. And the simpler your routine, or you know, the simpler your the ingredients in your routine, the better. Um, you know, as we're recording this we're still in quarantine or some version of it depending mm-hmm. on where you are but you know the last few months I've been seeing people say that you know since they haven't been wearing a lot of makeup or putting a lot of product on their skin their skin's massively improved you know so I think just yeah. keeping it simple in terms of what you put on the skin is really important but also you know getting a glow from the inside out is you know all nutrition so you can One thing I tell people to do is um, supplement with collagen powder. Um, So collagen is the most abundant protein in the body and supports healthy skin. And it is an animal protein, so there's no vegan version of it, but um, if you are looking for plant-based ways to get that, you'd want foods that support your body's own natural collagen production. So foods that are rich in vitamin C, iron, zinc, and copper. So foods like leafy greens, bell peppers, broccoli, berries, you know, very vibrant foods. So you, if you're getting a variety of these fresh foods in your diet, you don't have to worry too much about it because you'll naturally be getting all of these skin-supporting minerals. Um, but those are some good foods to start with. Also fermented foods because the gut directly impacts the skin. So just making sure that your digestive health is thriving with foods that are rich in probiotics, that will def- that will directly, affects, directly affect how your skin looks. Um, And in terms of, I know you mentioned um, being in the present moment, so I do also want to emphasize that skin isn't the only measure of beauty. Um, It is something that, it's something we all focus on because it does make us feel confident in presenting ourselves and, um, you know, to the external world. But happiness and feeling good inside is also beautiful and contagious as well. And I, I do think that gut health has something to do with that. It has an effect on your mental health. There's the gut brain connection. So just making sure that uh, you know gut health is a priority, and that, so that you can take care of your mental health and feel happy, positive. Have you radiating that type of beauty from the inside out too?
0: Okay. So you mentioned you know the animal types of collagen. Can you? Is there one that's better than the other?
1: Um. So I've I've seen a couple different. types. Types. The one I usually get is it's bovine collagen. It um, doesn't have a flavor or anything. I usually get it from Earth Tone Foods. Um, there's also marine collagen, which I haven't personally tried, so I'm not sure if there's like a fishy taste or anything, but that's another option if you um, don't want the bovine version, if you're a pescatarian or something. Um, but yeah, there's I, I have seen. I have seen products that say it's vegan collagen, but that's not possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's if you are looking to uh, boost collagen production, that, then you'll want to support, um, you'll want to have nutrients that support natural collagen production in the body. So those fresh, um, vibrant, vitamin C-rich foods, like I said.
0: Okay, thank you for that. And I know a lot of people have a hard time with fermented foods or those gut-loving foods. So so for some people, they say they're too sour. Um, Do you have any recommendation for those people who have a little bit of trouble with fermented foods?
1: Yeah. So, well, first thing I always tell people to start small. Um, One, because, yeah, I guess you could get used to the taste. (laughs) But also you don't want to do too much at once because if your body is not used to it, uh, you might have a little bit of digestive upset. So I always say to start with, um, a quarter cup at most. Um, but if you're, if the flavor is not something that you're used to, it is, it is an acquired taste for some. Um, but you can start with simple things like yogurt, because um, that's if you, I mean, if you get the actually fermented version, um, you can just add fruit to it and just have like naturally alter the flavor a little bit so it's more palatable to you. But yeah, it's definitely um, the more variety of. Fermented foods you get in your diet, the more it is an acquired taste, because I think most people are just used to yogurt. You know, that's like Mm -hmm. the main thing that everyone has experienced, and um, maybe kombucha as well, since that's getting a lot more popular. But in with store-bought kombucha, there is often a lot of extra sugar added because properly fermented kombucha is sour. It -hmm. is, or not necessarily like super sour, but more tart. So to make it more palatable to the masses, they add flavors and sugars, and so that's just something to pay attention to. Um, But yeah, it's definitely something you might need to get used to.
0: (laughs) Okay, well that that's great advice. You know, it's and you're right. There are so many different types. But even for yogurt, if people aren't into dairy, they could do the almond fermented, Mm -hmm. you know, milk yogurt. And there's you know there's kefir, which is typically is that typically goat. Um, I've seen it
1: as cow and goat yes and also you know there's tempeh tofu those are fermented as well and not sour so there's different ways that you can um, get your foot in the door with fermented food that aren't super sour
0: yeah and I love kimchi I mean I love sour foods but again it's how much do we have of it is there is there a limit of too much and then of people who have trouble but I think that that's that's great advice to start small and see where you're at yeah, but also keeping trial
1: and error.
0: Yeah, but I think for people too, you know, keeping a food journal on what works for people, what doesn't. So, there might be a fluke, right? If somebody eats something and it doesn't really agree with them, write it down, and then if it maybe that happens again, jot it down, see how they feel, see how their body really reacts to it, right? Is that yeah, something definitely. that you typically do, or have your clients do? Yes,
1: um, I mostly, and I usually have people do a food journal in the beginning, just so. I I can see where they're at and maybe see where we can make some improvements, also gives them a lot of good insight into patterns like that, like you're talking about, like maybe they never realized that that's what was giving them all the issues. Um, so yeah, it's really insightful for people to do that. And I usually have them record their mood as well, because like I mentioned, you know, the gut-brain connection, there's a lot of, um, it can have a big effect on your mood if, if Things aren't digesting well, or you know, just different foods can have different effects on your um, on your mood throughout the day. So, I have I do food and mood, and then also have them record, you know, where they are when they eat, because that can have an effect as well. If you're you know in the car trying to wolf down a sandwich or something, <laughs> versus sitting at a kitchen table and just relaxed enjoying your food, that's going to feel a lot different too. So. Yeah, food journals, I love, I think, if, if it's not um, a triggering thing, because I know people who've had disordered habits in the past, sometimes a food journal can trigger old habits of recording every little thing, mm-hmm. but um, I definitely don't require anyone to do it, like the My Fitness Pal version, where they're logging, like, every last teaspoon of something, it's more just like, this is what I ate, this is how I felt, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so it can be really insightful
0: practice great so a basic question here when somebody eats a food what does it mean to feel good after you eat a particular food how should you feel
1: so i also share with people there's a hunger and fullness scale like if you're not used to understanding how your body's supposed to feel because with chronic dieting you know we lose those signals because we're told we're only supposed to eat this certain amount and you must feel full after this, even if you're not, you know? Um, so, you know, when you, after you eat, you want to eat to a place where you feel comfortable before the point where you need to, like, unbutton your pants. <laughs> um, and that's that's trial and error as well, because if, especially if you're not used to listening to your signals, um, it might take you some time to understand what is a comfortable feeling for you. Um, but, yeah, if you're feeling um, that... If you're feeling overly bloated after a meal, a little blo- a little bit of bloating is normal, just because you've just eaten. And there's food in your stomach. But if you're feeling like you need to unbutton your pants regularly after you just feel comfortably full, then that might be a sign that there's sensitivity going on, or you know. So that's why another thing it's important to keep an eye on how you're feeling after meals. But yeah, you should feel um, a little bit more energized. Because um, also pay attention to your hunger signals. That might look like um, irritability, inability to focus, those kinds of things. And if afterwards you're like, okay, now I'm focused and I'm, you know, I'm in a good mood, <laughs> um, those things change as well. So it, it looks a little bit different for everyone, but just noticing, just writing that down in your journal and noticing how you're feeling and if there's a difference before and after can be really
0: important. Sure. I think a lot of people eat food too and they feel so fatigued, but they're so used to eating food and feeling that that like that afterwards, but that's not, you know, really what normal should be and I'm I'm happy you you spoke about that. So, so you know, when you think about I just want to focus a little bit more on, you know, foods and beauty and particular supplements. So a lot of people we live in a supplement um, you know, markets Just because our food is really depleted in many regards. And, you know, I'd love to get your take on your take in general about supplements and ones that you think are really important.
1: Yeah, so I I tend not to focus much on supplements just because I want people to focus on their diet first. And then from there, I prefer that people get a blood test so that you're not just, you know, spending all these money on supplements without knowing what you actually need. Mm Um, because, you know, nutrient deficiencies aren't super common. Um, I'd say the the main ones would probably be vitamin D because we're all inside all day, Um, you know, but that's also something that I would recommend getting tested first before supplementing with. And if you're vegan, then B12, you know, because that's a nutrient that you can only typically only get in animal foods. I think nutritional yeast is probably the only That you can get B12 from, otherwise, Um, so that's one to watch out if you're not eating animal foods. But other than that, I'd usually just recommend getting tested because otherwise, oftentimes it is that we're just kind of spending all this money on supplements and you know having no idea if it's actually what we need. It's just Mm -hmm. what we've been told. So I've I've definitely had clients that have a a huge list of supplements. I'm like, so where? Who prescribed these or who who recommended these to you? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I just read about it and I decided to take it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's that can be fine if um you know if you have no other health conditions. But that's another thing is you want to talk to a professional because supplements, depending on what it is, can interact with maybe a medication that you're taking, or if you have a certain health condition, it might not be good to have those. So I definitely don't recommend. Everyone just do their own supplement protocol. I think people should work with professionals on that. But yeah, I would say, if anything, D and B12 are ones to, or the higher priority ones for most people.
0: Okay. You know, I've been hearing a lot of talk about traditional diets, too, and finding ways, you know. And I think when we think about fad diets in general, I think there's just so much conflicting information out there. You know, vegan, is it safe to be vegan or just vegetarian or some people... You know, they love this idea of going back to a more, you know, traditional diet like our ancestors would have ate hundreds, thousands of years ago. So, you know, again, our food supply is different. But, you know, when we think about striking a balance between incorporating traditional foods or just finding a diet that's right for the particular individual... You know, anyway, do you really subscribe to anything with the ancestral diets at all?
1: I, I mean, I don't really subscribe to any particular diet. It's more I try to help people focus on what they actually feel and, you know, have that guide their diet. Um, for myself personally, I try to focus mostly on whole foods. Um, I mean, with modern society, it's kind of, it can be difficult sometimes, and also sometimes processed foods are delicious. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for the most part, I try to focus on that. But um, in terms of, like, if I recommend any sort of diet, um, I really don't, especially, you know, the fad diets or, you know, keto and, you know, intermittent fasting and all that. Um, I think especially since I work with mostly women, it's important for them to know the research was not done on women for those diets. So, you know, all of the biohacking advice, all that kind of stuff, that's all for men, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and even, you know, women weren't required to be in scientific studies until the 90s, you know. So mm. until the 90s. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is. That is. <laughs> and even then, now when they're included, a lot of the time, it's either the women that are included are either past menopause or they're at the stage in their menstrual cycle where their hormones are um, the lowest, really, so it's more like men. So a lot of research doesn't take into account women's actual cycles and the hormonal fluctuations because it's too difficult for scientists to measure, so they try to make us as close to men as possible when they have to include us. So it's, you know, all of that type of research, if you're looking for, like, specific diets, I definitely would not follow that if you're a woman, um, or um, you know, if you have a menstrual cycle, I should say. And I think that just guiding or having your diet guided by how you actually feel is going to be the best thing for you. So you know, using that food and mood journal and paying attention to your energy levels, and you know, and that fluctuates as well with your hormones too. So. It's, it's a lot to pay attention to, but you'll
0: feel so much better when you do. Yeah. Another thing, I'm so happy you said that because I think when it comes to diets, we are so individual. <laughs> what works for someone does not work for someone else. So, yeah, I think that's just a great piece of advice for the listeners to really find and tailor a diet that works for you. Find foods that really care for your body and keep the food journal like you had mentioned. It's very powerful. So, Before I tell people where to find you, what kind of projects, what things you are up to, is there anything else that you want to add?
1: Yeah, right now I am working on developing a program for hormone health. Um, So for working with people who menstruate to have an easier cycle. Um, So kind of like I talked about, you know, we don't pay attention to. Eat. There's four phases of the menstrual menstrual cycle, and before I learned that, I thought you just fled and that was it. <laughs> you know, so I've been diving a lot deeper into that with clients over the last couple of years, and realizing that um, it's a big problem for everyone, but no one seems to think it's a big problem because they are just told that's what to expect every month. So um, there's a different way to live, and you, your cycle doesn't have to be painful it doesn't have to be something you dread every month so the program i'm developing is tackling that so um, especially for people who have had hormonal imbalances because of the chronic dieting so i'm trying to blend these things together um, but yeah that's that's the project i'm working on next
0: oh i love that that's fantastic and that will be all on your website
1: yes awesome um, website instagram you can find me all those places. I keep them updated.
0: And I'll be providing your information in the podcast notes as well. So people can find you and interact with you. Yeah. And you know, when you think about hormonal balance, estrogen dominance is something that I've been struggling with for a very long time and, you know, and coming off the birth control and all these other things. So I think that's a really great, great resource for a lot of women. I know I'm definitely not the only one. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So your website, can you please just tell people what your website is briefly, just in case they don't read the notes? (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, It's goodwitchkitchen.net, and then I am on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen.
0: Okay, great. And you have a podcast as well.
1: Yes, we just launched it a couple weeks ago. It's called It's Just a Phase, and it's all about living cyclically, so kind of like what I just talked about with the menstrual phase, but... In all different types of cycles so um, we talk about health business um, other wellness topics and yeah it's it's a fun new show that we just started with my friend Janine who um, is a business coach at Springtide
0: oh I love it okay so everyone when they're done this podcast go listen to Kristen's yeah (laughs) Uh, that's so exciting I love it so it was such an honor and pleasure to have you on this podcast and so thank you so much Kristen
1: yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be the first guest. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: take care.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Thank you all for listening to Health Witch Podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, please never hesitate to contact me. I love hearing from all of you. You can email me at info at healthwitch.org or DM me on Instagram where I happen to be fairly active anyway at health underscore witch underscore. And please leave a review or comments and five stars and all those reviews and subscriptions do help people find this podcast. So everyone be well, be well witches.